Orgasmic Enlightenment, where the sexual and spiritual come together. I'm Kimanami, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter. In this show, we explore all things intimate. I believe that our sexual energy is life force, creative energy, and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism, to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. Five tips to lose belly fat overnight. Are you ready for them? Well, here they are. Have G-spot orgasms, have cervical orgasms, have squirting orgasms, have nipplegasms, have analgasms. Yup, that's the big secret. Being well-fucked and having deeper, life-changing orgasms is what is going to wipe out that extra weight. Here is why. Belly fat is largely caused by cortisol overload. When you are in a stressed out state for months or years, as most people are in the modern world, you are living off of adrenaline and cortisol. The excess collects in your belly as that signature punch. When you orgasm, your system is flooded with oxytocin as well as other feel-good hormones and neurotransmitters such as dopamine and serotonin. The oxytocin acts as a counter to the cortisol and cancels it out. So the more orgasms you have, the flatter your belly gets. The deeper vaginal orgasms generate more oxytocin. More oxytocin equals more fat burned off. The vaginal orgasms G-spot, cervical, ejaculatory, or squirting create much more oxytocin. In order to achieve these orgasms, you need to open and surrender. If not, you will not get there. No amount of physical technique will take you over the edge if you can't let go. All of that opening builds more oxytocin. In the quicker, bust one out to go to sleep kinds of orgasms, you still get an oxytocin rush, but it's much smaller. Vaginal orgasms and even anal and nipplegasms produce much more. Your metaphorical baggage. Deep, powerful sex is an alchemizer. It acts as a combustion engine. The road to these more profound orgasms requires that you be open, raw, vulnerable, and you let yourself be seen. You cannot hide. This is deeply healing and transformative. The internal work that it takes to get there burns through the dross of your past and your trauma that you carry around with you as excess baggage. Sexual energy is one of the most potent forms of energy that we have access to, and it is literally at our fingertips. As we own and inhabit our sexual selves, we come into who we really are. And the parts of us that weight may have helped us to protect begin to emerge. The things that we have stuffed down because we didn't want to face are catalyzed into action as we become stronger and more confident. All of that registers in and on the body as our internal flab and baggage is burnt off. The pounds fall away. 
I have worked with people who have done everything to lose weight. They had trainers, nutritionists, they were extra disciplined about eating and working out and there would just be these extra 10 or 15 pounds that they couldn't seem to lose. And then they would start having gourmet sex, the kind of sex that I teach about where we are being truly seen and fed and nourished. Their hearts and their genitals open and they are being changed by the power of this deep sexual love and the extra weight evaporates. They don't do anything different, no changes in their diet or exercise, they just got well fucked. Deep cataclysmic vaginal orgasms and powerful intimate connections. And suddenly those abs were svelte and chiseled. It's magic, sex magic. Well fucked all stars. Robin shares how she overcame cancer, her husband's death, and metabolized all of that through her sexual explorations. And this resulted in her dropping a whopping 60 pounds. It's an amazing story and super inspirational for anyone struggling with the heaviness of their load and wondering how they can lose that extra little bit of physical and emotional poundage. Welcome, Robin. I'm so excited to have you here with us. One of our epic, well-fucked all-stars for the ages. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so let's do a recap of your story. Where did you come from? What happened to place you where you are now? Well, um, um, in 2016, my husband and I got pregnant. And um, when I was 20 weeks along, he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And um, I had to finish out the remaining um, pregnancy by doing chemo appointments and um, oncology visits and his surgery to remove his cancer. Um, And he was stage four. So um, our goal was to get him to see the birth of our child. And um, his cancer actually was very advanced. He had what's called peritoneal carcinomatosis, which is um, his cancer had spread to the peritoneal lining, which is what encases all of your organs from the outside in. So um, his cancer was basically in the fluid around your organs. So it was touching his heart, his liver, his lungs, everything at once. So we weren't sure if he was going to live to see our son be born. And he did. He, um, yeah, he had a 1% chance of making it to the one year mark and he lived 18 months. So he died 20 days after our son turned one. Wow. And in that time, um, especially from when my husband was getting more into hospice, my libido skyrocketed, which I think a lot of people don't expect. And they definitely don't talk about, right? Because I'm a mom and I have a infant, you know, one-year-old who's like teething and colicky and hard. And my husband is dying and he's in hospice and I don't get to talk about how my sexual needs aren't being met because none of my needs are being met anywhere. And neither are my sons, you know, because 
he's colicky and everything's hard. And my husband was, none of his needs are being met, right? Because he's dying. And so it was really just like a clusterfuck of emotion. And um, when he passed, I had a lot of um, energy, which I have since learned in your classes is more like my sexual energy and like my chi was just like reverberating through me because what I learned is when, um, um, when you're not dying, right? You're living, right? You're either living or you're dying. And um, being around somebody who was dying like 1% per day, I feel like it supercharged my body to want to prove that it wasn't dying. And so I feel like my libido went through the roof because I wanted to like thrive and kind of push away that feeling of, of death. And so oh, that's fascinating. I, I, yeah, after my husband passed, um, I thought the best way to really burn that energy through my body, um, I was cycling like 60 to 80 miles um, a week. And um, through grief, you know, my, I went kind of manic. I had all this energy that I couldn't burn. And instead of trying to burn it, I, that way, which wasn't really working, I couldn't really sleep. I wanted to um, look into um, like squirting and having a different type of orgasm to like gush it out of my body and release it in a more feminine way and lean into a feminine sort of feeling instead of that, like a masculine sort of feeling, which is like- right literally fleeing, right? Like the fight or flight of like cycling nowhere in my basement. And so <clears throat> I looked it up online, like classes or how to, especially because I was a single woman and I came across your classes. I found you on YouTube and Instagram. And that is how I found you. I love that you had the insight because that's very perceptive that you wanted to process and release these energies in a way that was more feminine rather than more masculine. That's very profound. I thank you. I also didn't want to lean into it in the typical feminine way of saying like, everything is fine. I'm just going to superhero mom this, like we're fine. Yeah. Like we're not mm -hmm. fine no one's fine. Nothing's fine. I'm actually manic. My sex drive is through the roof. I, 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 you know, I don't know anything like my future feels like a black hole. It's not fine. And so many people just want to throw themselves into work and become superwoman and, you know, start a business and whatever. And it, it's just so overwhelming. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so much to process. So I really just wanted to lean into the feminine and you talk about that throughout your courses of like your divine sexual womanhood. And that's where I felt like the language was being had that I identified with of what I was actually trying to find was who am I if I'm not these titles? Which leads me into the next title that I got, which was 11 months after I lost my husband, I was also diagnosed with thyroid cancer. I actually, um, my doctors had suspicion that I had it the month I got pregnant, I went in for my annual exam 
and she noticed it in my throat, but I was pregnant. Um, and so I couldn't, you know, have a biopsy or go under anesthesia. And so, um, we just had to put it off and watch it during my pregnancy. And then during my pregnancy, my husband's cancer took, you know, priority, my cancer took the back seat and, um, then I had a baby and, and all the things. And so I just really wanted to lean into, um, my femininity and heal my body. Another thing that um, you've talked about in your classes is like your throat chakra and how you have to speak your truth. And if you can't speak your truth, your organs can get cancer and get sick. And I didn't get to speak my truth as my husband was dying, right? You have to take the back seat and say, everything's okay. Um, I'm just trying to help my husband through this. And um, I had throat cancer because of that. And so um, your course helped me to, um, like claim my voice, you know, becoming a well-fucked woman to have the confidence and the audacity to show up to myself and my real desires and what I really want to say and clarify my voice and stand in my truth. And yeah, it was a really um, life-changing experience. So beautiful. So share more about how that transformation happened for you. So as, and I really want to applaud you for in the midst of all of that, because I feel like a lot of people would try to suppress this sexual urges in themselves. Like they'd be in these times of their life that would most people would consider like so serious and like, you know, grave. And, and so there's no place for playfulness or no place for sexuality and try to push that away rather than really opening to that and using it as a touchstone, you know, as a, as a way to get actually deeper into and process and alchemize these experiences. So what was that journey like for you? Like, as you began more of the sexual practices and took that on, like, what did you notice was happening for you in like emotionally speaking and physically speaking? And how did that work for you? And, um, you know, like dealing with all the stuff that you were going through. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing was in my sadness and in my immense heavy grief is um, one thing is like when you try to share your story, when you have something really intense like that happen, you lose a loved one or you get cancers, you have a tendency of wanting to overshare. Um, I mean, I did at least some people don't share at all, but I have a tendency of like word vomiting, right? Because I'm still processing what's happening lifetime and, uh, it's evolving as it's happening. And so I got used to, you know, trying to share my story and have people be like, oh, you're too much, right? Like that's too much. And I'm like, sorry, you know, but like, this is also happening lifetime. So that, you know, response of that's too much. I'm like, sorry, that was Tuesday. I'm just catching you up. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like pick the hard route. I'm just telling you, we're still getting bad news. And um, the only way or a, a way that helped me with some of the shame of people telling me that my story was too much or I felt overwhelming um, was to show up for myself 
And I felt like in the quiet of my own home, when you talk about how you don't need a lover to have gourmet sex and you don't need a lover to have the best sex of your life, I was mad at that statement. You know, I was like, yes, you do. And I lost my person, but God damn it. What if I don't, what if I can do it myself? What if I can have these experiences in a safe and loving environment where I'm not exposing myself to, like we talked about before, uh, sexual trauma or maybe sexual assault because I just go out looking for it. And, you know, when you talk about that with other people, online dating sites, you know, I have no idea what kind of sexual situations I could find myself in. So um, I wanted to like, love my inner child. I wanted to make sure my inner child felt seen and heard. And I am the type of person that when there's a lot of pain um, in my life, I want to be held, um, which is weird. I grew up with a lot of emotional neglect in my family. And so I didn't have a lot of support as I was going through these things. And the only way I could do that was to support myself. And you provided um, the conversation of like, how do you feel about that? And are you even wet? Do you even want it? You know, show up to things that you get wet about. And I was like, man, like, what is that? Who, like, who am I without these titles? Like I, I said earlier, if I'm a cancer survivor and I'm a widow and I'm a single mom, like who am I outside of all those titles? I don't even want anyway. Right. No. What if I'm, um, you know, a beautiful sacred woman with a beautiful sex drive that I'm, I still get to live a full and abundant life. And if I heal myself through sexual like touch and the orgasms that you talk about, um, like different positions in the towel, how it can like heal different elements in your body no one can ever take that away from me. Like, I can't say, hey, new guy came into my life and because of new guy, I'm this woman now. Like, no, he didn't. No, he fucking didn't, right? No one came to save me. I showed up for myself and um, I had to champion that like um, therapy, I guess. That's amazing. I love how you articulated all of that and how that's what came to you is that you are showing up for yourself and what you said about who are you minus all these labels and identifiers. I just love that. So what happened then? So you started to presumably self-pleasure and self-massage and experiment with your body and have some of these orgasms. So what did you notice begin to happen and change for you? Um, I had a lot of mental stuff to overcome, right? I had a lot of what I didn't want coming up. Like, I don't want to have to do this alone or be by myself. And when I could kind of overcome that voice of like, well, this is what I do have. And it was an honor to go through, um, to walk through that experience with my husband. That was an honor and a privilege that, um, I got to like carry on his legacy, with his child, you know, and, and if I'm going to, if I had a good marriage and I was well-loved, who am I going to be separate from that? And so I learned um, all sorts of things that I hadn't been able to do in my marriage. Like I had never learned to squirt and you address that in your courses. 
And um, for a while, I had a partner after I lost my husband where every single time we would um, have oral sex, I would squirt up a storm. We had to get like those pads that you put down, um, those pee pads. Oh my God. I love it when I hear the the, tra- the troubles that some of these couples go through, <laughs> like excess liquid in the bed. And what are we going to do to solve this oh trouble, this I'm problem like, of pads? ours? pee pads. Oh my gosh. That's weird. So, um, yeah, because I started to squirt every single time I had oral sex, which I didn't even know was a thing. And then I started to like, feel concerned. Like what if every time I have an orgasm, I squirt this big of a mess, like we're going to have to pick our locations very carefully. Right. Because these are some of the things that happen with (laughs) prolific squirters. I tell you, I hear this a lot. Like it becomes a thing you have to know yeah, like about. now you can't just have sex. If you make a puddle, you know, you right. gotta, or a lake. Yes. I've had lake. people have to convert their bedrooms from carpet to hardwood floors so that That's they awesome. could. Yeah. So they could deal with that. That's particular awesome. situation. I recently got a waterproof blanket. I haven't there had go. a partner to use it with, but I got a whole like tarp for my bed because those waterproof pads only work so far you know, that is amazing. So you had a lot of amazing squirting experiences. And so how did you feel? Well, overall, then I know that you've talked about bringing this really open. So when you did start dating again, and you had new partners, like a very open, like voracious kind of attitude and energy that some of the men you were at least what I remember you talking about were with was, was very like, like, Whoa, are you even real? Like, how is this possible? This amazing, beautiful woman. And she loves sex. And like, what was that like when these guys were, were, you know, were just so kind of couldn't believe it. Like, who are you? Where did you come from? Yeah, you talked about in class, um, Iron Cock Somebody. Who was that for you? <laughs> yes, Iron Cock Ross. Uh, Ross, His okay. legendary skills, yep. Yes, so I had an ICT, Iron Cock Tyson. And um, he was a fireman and he was delicious. He was like six foot seven and like all the wonderful epic things, right? He's the rescuer, right? like literally the rescuer. And so um, I went to this fireman auction after I had um, finished your course and I was just kind of on fire there. And so there were like all these men being auctioned and you always talk about in the courses, you know, like free your boobs. You don't have to wear a bra all the time, you know, shake them, play the game. The, the If men invented the game, play the fucking game, you know? And so here I was, and it was like the opposite, right? We're like in the woman's, like the lion's den, right? Like firemen are being auctioned off. It was just a wonderful time. And um, I picked the cutest guy in the bar. And my friend was like, we have to go give that guy your number. And I was like, no way, like, no way. And she was like, yeah, way we're going. She was, she's a high paid escort. And so she was like ballsy, you know, not me, but she was like, girl, we need to get you laid. Come on. Right. So she walked up to him and then I had to have something to say. And so, um, we ended up hitting it off and I gave him my number and, um, we had this wild time for like two months and 
my sex drive was through the roof. I, um, I had to ask my vagina, right? Does he make you wet? Are you interested? And the answer was fuck. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like, no, or maybe it's like, yeah, it's like, fuck yeah or no. And it was a fuck. Yeah. For me. And, uh, we had gourmet sex every single time, like three hours at a time or four hours at a time at his place or my place. And he would just tell me like, girl, you are exhausting. And I was like, first of all, you're welcome. Second of all, we don't have to have sex every time, you know, like if you're tired, we don't have to have sex. And he looked at me and he was like, fuck you that yes we do you know like how dare you say that to me don't act like i can't handle it and i was like i mean maybe you can if you can't handle it that's also okay we can rest and um he just didn't really know how to handle me so yeah he looked at me and he was like you know you look real and you feel real but this can't be real like people don't have you know two hour sex sessions and squirt all over the place and keep maintaining that level of sex drive. You know, he kept feeling like, when is this going to go away? And, um, for me and him, that's just how we were. And it was the best, he was the best partner I've ever had. It, um, it only, we were like a, I don't know, a ball of flame, right? We were together only like two, three months or something. And then he, had some things that he was going through. So we went separate ways, but that was definitely like my greatest compliment. You know, it made me wonder, like, do you go to the fire department and tell them that, uh, you know, your new girlfriend is too exhausting for you because she wants to have too much sex? Like that just sounds like a problem other people are wanting to have. Yeah. I mean, you guys had so many problems, like having right. to deal with wet sheets and water liquid all over the bed and his exhaustion levels. Because yes, he, he had to shampoo up. his couch and he was upset that his cushions had his come on them because it went over his head. And that was still somehow my, you know, my doing. <sighs> Gosh, I really feel for you. I mean, I have right. so much compassion for what you've gone through, you know? Right. I told but him, just go to the men at the fire department. They'll talk you through it. Tell them your problems. Yeah, <laughs> tell them what's going on for you and see if they can help you out. Maybe they can up your stamina by just, you know, working you out a little harder. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he oh also got in the best shape of his life in that two month span. And the longer I'm I was sure he was forced to with your stamina, I I'm mean, sure and, it out of him. right. And the longer I was with him, the more sculpted my body got, you know, and it was just such a good way to lose weight and to shape my body because the more I was with him, you know, the more, you know, I'm working my abs and my thighs and my ass. And, you know, I would just feel so confident this one time when we were on his couch and I straddled him and we were, you know, engaged. Um, he just looked at me and he was like, you are and paused. And I was like, oh my. And he was like, so beautiful. And I just felt so vulnerable, right? Cause I'm like on him, I'm in front of him. I'm on his couch, I'm naked, I'm all these things. And that compliment has just stayed with me because it was like such an intimate moment and to be complimented when you're so vulnerable and kind of like wild, you know, just really set me free in a way. And um, 
it's like, I don't know, by the time we were done, I had like a four pack, you know, I'm like, if I lean back, I'm like, you can see my abs and I kind of have a little bit of a V line and like my body just started to like mold into this, like this woman, like you talk about a, a woman that looks well fucked, you start to get like a really shapely figure. And I was confident and strong and, um, God, it was just a fiery time in my life. Well, I think that it's like that well-fucked energy, that self-confidence, the love, like that full, that we open ourselves up and we're truly seen and cherished and adored and all of that together, plus all of the biochemical and hormones and neurotransmitters that are flowing, like all of that combines into this shaping that we could not possibly get anywhere else. Like I've noticed that, yeah, myself, that after the most profound lovemaking times is that my body just comes into this other, it comes into itself. It comes into its own like perfect sculpty shape that I never could have possibly done like in a gym or in Pilates session, you know, right. though I've tried, right. But it right. doesn't come, it, it does great things with those activities, but there's another level that it emerges with from right. really profound I, sex. For a while I was looking at like, okay, Robin, what kind of a body type do you want? You know? So I like went to this like Olympic page and I looked up like Olympic, um, you know, volleyball players and soccer players and, uh, you know, long distance runners, gymnasts and each body type, you know, to be a gymnast, it's like short, stout, broad shoulders. Um, you know, volleyball is like long, lean, thin, you know, and I'm like, man, if I'm going to pick up a sport, something to become obsessed with, which is something that, um, you know, where do I want to put my time? Right. And I thought to myself, you know, if I could pick a body type that I really want, I'm like strippers got a lot going for them, you know, like they have fantastic bodies because they got yeah. a, the whole thing. Right. Right. So, yeah. I feel like it's that kind of same well-fucked woman vibe, that confidence, the way they can walk, the way they can own it, the way they own it in front of other people, the way they'll, they'll show everything they have. There's nothing to hide. They'll own you. You'll pay them for it. You know it. Like that confidence was just so alluring when I felt like so much of my identity was either forced upon me or taken from me. I wanted to own my power and have confidence in my femininity, the way that, you know, sexual energy allows and really just harnessing my femininity in that, you know, like sexual dance or sexual touch, um, being open to that touch and even um, opening up my breasts, you know, that's another thing that you address in class. Um, was um, to like wear lower cut shirts, to not wear underwire in your bras as much, to not necessarily wear bras as much, and to just open your femininity up, put your shoulders up, pick your boobs up, perk your chin up, and and show off your femininity instead of being a mom that you know always is wearing a bra and straps on the shirts and sweater and when you cover that like oh excuse me right like right after breastfeeding you're supposed to cover up and you have to become this blob of a woman who you lose your ambition or your sensuality and if you have sensuality you're shamed for it and I just was so tired of everybody like telling me who I was or who they thought I 
was like, aren't you supposed to be sad? Aren't you supposed to be grieving? You have cancer. Maybe you should rest. And I was just like, fuck you. I am who I say I am. And if I'm horny, that's fine too. And if I want a partner, that's fine too. And if I feel sexy as fuck, fuck you. Let me out. Like, let me out of this cage that you're like putting me in. And I think freeing myself helped my body change shape. And um, your famous line is like, who you are in bed is who you are in real life. And that has become a deep mantra in my experience through sexuality is that when I became more free in bed, even with myself to allow myself to squirt alone with myself, I think that's part of what else would also help sculpt my body is that it became who I was in bed and in real life. That's amazing. I love how you've said all of that because you had quite an epic weight loss, like apart from the sculpting and the chiseling and the four pack, you Ah. lost a heap of weight. I did. How much? Um, Well, I've since, what was that? I think I was at 217 and I got down to 160. So 217 was my max weight um, when I was nine months pregnant. Or, and then um, after pregnancy, I lost the weight. Um, yeah, down to down to 160 was as, as skinny yeah. as I got, So yeah. Amazing. Can you talk about the importance of um, you know, feeding your body well and not feeding it as much junk food and um the exercises, you know, that you were providing and just like I don't know. You talk about like looking down at yourself and your self-actualization and like smiling on your body and like treating it as this thing and thanking it for bringing me through everything I had also been through. And so trying to um, protect my body by bringing good things in, you know, like if you have a happy button during such a shitty time, you should push your happy button. And if I can push my happy button as, as much as I need to and get real sunlight and eat healthier foods that have higher vibrations, who could I become? And that is what felt really empowering to me. So it sounds like you've also really, it sounds like it was who you were originally, but that became amplified than not giving a fuck, like not giving a fuck what other people think and their impacts on you that despite all of these personas that people have very clear ideas of what that should look like. You said like the grieving widow or the, the sort of victimized cancer patient, you know, that you were like, not, nah, I'm not taking on all of that. I'm going to alchemize and move through this in my own way. And for you, a big piece of that was sexually speaking, that you moved through that by leaning into and really embodying and exploring your sexuality. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to see who am I, like, like you said, from the inside, because if, if that theory that you get um, cancer because you don't use your organ in a specific place, right? If you trap your breasts or you trap your cervix, um, I thought that same thing with my throat, right? If I'm not speaking up for who I am and what I really want, um, 
it's interesting because maybe that organ died too, you know, and I did what I was told, like I was the good girl or the nice girl. And that didn't get me anywhere, right? Because I keep ending up in situations where like, I don't really want that either. And that's not really who I am. And um, I definitely had some uh, feedback, some negative feedback from my family of like, well, you know, you're kind of bitchy now. And I was like, bitchy, like I've been widowed. <laughs> I've been, uh, I've had cancer. I'm a single parent. None of my needs are getting met. Um, I'm not just a single parent, right? Like I'm the only parent, right? Like right. Yeah. the amount of stuff that I have to get myself through on a regular basis. I just crave like eye contact with another adult. I just crave to be held like bitchy is like the least of my concern, <laughs> right? So to be able to just speak up of like, no, stop stop forcing these ideas on me or telling me what I must want or telling me how I must feel. I tell you, I feel great. I, I want to go on a date this weekend or I have time off. I'm going to spend it by going to the beach and doing nothing. We have a nude beach out here. And I spent a lot of time out there to just let myself be seen for who I was now and coming into who am I now that these things have happened to me, it just really helped heal me. And I feel like for a while I, I lost a lot of friends. I morphed into this new woman that I had to embrace who I became. And um, one friend in particular, we went to a wedding. Uh, one of my friends was getting married and we went to a, a thing where, uh, what is that? Where you try on all the dresses, say yes to the dress. You know, I went to this event and I was encouraging my friend to get this really sexy lacy dress. Um, it was elegant. It was beautiful. It was the most expensive dress and it was so beautiful on her. And I was really verbal about it. I told her, you know, Katie, you look beautiful. You should get that dress. It's so wonderful. All these things. And my other friend gave me a hard time. And she said, uh, I said, sorry, you know, I'm just not very censored. And she was like, yeah, clearly. And I just thought to myself, like, why are we censored? Why are you asking that of me? You know, why, why do we as women have to like, why can't I cheer her on in that sexy dress? Why can't I encourage her to, to be this beautiful bride that isn't ultra conservative, but wears something that's got a really low back, like girl, you look like a fucking queen, but I can't drop the F word if there's too many Christians around or whatever. And, um, it was, there were a lot of growing pains in that season, in that season of my life, even when I was becoming this warrior of a woman, you know, this resolute woman, I, I still received a little bit of like, shouldn't you be, you know, a little quieter, a little smaller, like let, let Katie decide what she wants. And I was like, girl, of course I'm going to let Katie decide what she wants, but she looks like a fucking queen in that thing. Like girl, like go big or go home. Like, that's all I'm saying. I'm not telling her what to like or not like, but um, I just wanted more audacious friendships, you know, more of yeah. that, like gourmet women cheering other women on to just open up, you know, and. And to reflect what was happening in you, 
right? So yeah. as you're busting out of these restrictions that you are feeling more open and uncensored and you want the people around you and the situations around you to be in the same place rather than yeah. these, these old vestiges of who you might have been. So coming, you know, in those situations, did you feel confident to keep going or just let that stuff slide off of you? Like what was your process moving through that? Um. A little bit of both. I think as I was really just shedding the like body shaming thing that women do, um, I would encourage my friends through that. And some of them were like, you know, we're not supposed to, I don't know about that. You know, like what if my nipples show through my dress, if I don't wear a bra and I was like, who cares, you know? And they're like, oh, I can't, and I shouldn't. And I was like, says who, like, let it out, quit body shaming. Let's just get free yourself. It gives me permission to show up for who I am too, you know? Or if I want to show up like this and you feel shame showing up without a bra under your dress, then what am I, you know, stop, stop, make it stop, you know? And so sometimes (laughs) I would get this feedback that was just, overwhelming like a heavy coat you know and I just wanted to take it off and sometimes I just also have to know like that's just where they're at on their journey that they can't allow that freedom so it's just a little bit of that like cognitive dissonance I think you know compared to how much growth I had compared to the growth that my friends did not have and you know they aren't taking your sex class at home and they're Uh, Christian marriages. And so, you know, I was the widow who was taking a wild sex class, learning how to give hand jobs with my vagina, you know, and I didn't know how to have those conversations with my Christian friends who had one partner and one marriage. And uh, I was just outgrowing who I used to be at such a rapid rate. I love all of that. And so you, this freedom with your body, like you say, like overcoming any of this body shaming. And it sounds like you had this very open, like putting myself out there into the world. So you've talked about the connection between your voice and your throat chakra, but it also sounds like there was this corresponding idea with your body, right? Like opening up and letting yourself be seen. And if I think about weight as being a protective mechanism, right? Like excess weight, often for women, it's a fear of really being seen, of being really sexually as much as big as they want to be, right? And so by putting extra weight on that, they hide that part of themselves and they they maybe reduce the amount of attention that they might get at them. And they're deliberately doing that, or at least unconsciously, if not consciously doing it. So as you started to come out, what was that like for you? Like in terms of owning your body and then also that correlation with the weight dropping off? Like, do you see that all having worked together in your process? Um, Yes. Um, Before we started this interview, I told you that um, it took me a while um, to find women that I respected. And in my journey, um, I had a lot of male, uh, guidance, um, mentors. My therapist was a male and I, I just didn't really respect women. And the, the guy that was mentoring me said, like, what is it about women that you don't respect? I want to encourage you to, to go inwards because you're, you are a woman, you know? So what does that say about you? And, and let's explore that. And 
Um, I, the two women who I focused on was you and Brene Brown. And um, the other thing that helped me, the reason I'm, I'm bringing Brene Brown into this is um, my tattoo here says, just show up. And um, through my journey, she talked about how you have to own your story or you spend your time hustling for your worth outside of your story. You know, you're always like, well, it's not my fault. You know, it happened to him or I was a mom, you know, so of course I gained that weight or I, I had cancer. You know, I could spend all this time talking about, you know, it's not my fault that I got cancer. It's not my fault. I married this guy who was sick. We didn't know he was sick, uh, you know, whatever. Or I could just say like, well, fuck. You know, like with chaos theory, it just fucking exploded. I don't know. And um, I had to allow, um, she talks about like writing a letter to yourself about um, giving yourself permission to make others feel uncomfortable. And so I think with my body, um, just two weeks ago, I went to a Marriott and I bought a neon orange thong one piece. On Amazon, I had it delivered and I wore a neon orange thong for the first time at a public place. And to just allow myself to be seen, to show up for myself, this is what my body looks like. This is my mom boobs. This is my mom body. Um, if I make other people uncomfortable, I give myself permission to do that. If there are people that want to look at me and say, you know, I'm a size 12, 14, and I shouldn't be in a thong bathing suit, that is their deal because I am getting ample feedback that I am doing just fine in my bathing suit. And um, I had to just thank my body for birthing a child and for getting me through this grief and for being as sexy as it is and um, like befriend myself. So I think um, to answer your question, I, I really had to just show up for myself, regardless of how I felt, if it was true or not, if I was worthy or not to be dressed like that in public or um, accepted by other people is kind of besides the point because I already faced my greatest fear twice. Yeah. Yep. Fabulous. Was there anything else that you want to add to round out your story that we haven't covered that you think is important for people to know and be inspired by? Um, the one thing that we didn't really touch on is that I think men and women need to, um, think about grief in terms of sexuality, like now more than ever. I think, you know, a couple of years ago when I took your class, like widowhood, um, isn't really a topic that's on the table and, um, now I've been widowed five years. It's been five full years. And um, with the suicide rate it, where it is, and I think um, we should encourage more people to talk about grief and sexuality because um, grief always wins. You know, people will either end up um, harming themselves or getting involved in other addictive behavior, uh, high risk, um, you know, choices to just burn adrenaline. And I think as women creating a sacred, sensual place where we can heal our bodies by dealing with our 
our grief, um, that we just become whole in a way where we don't take it out on other people. Mm. And so, um, like you said, instead of having the title or the label of, if you're going through grief, um, you should fill in the blank. I think, um, we should have more freedom to, I don't know, go deeper in our bodies and experience more internal pleasure and internal dopamine and internal juicy, gooey goodness. Beautiful. I love it. Well, thanks so much. And I love your story and totally salute all of your courage and strength for going through all of that and really coming through the other side in an epic way. Thank you. For my full Orgasmopedia on how to have all the different types of orgasms, check out my How to Be a Well-Fucked Woman salon. I walk you through the essentials of G-spot, cervical, anal, and full body orgasms. Plus, everything you need to know to become a well-fucked woman, from self-pleasuring 101 to breast massage to lift, tone, and enlarge your breasts to the very best manual and oral pleasuring techniques. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and also leave a review and send someone else the gift of a healthy libido and an off the charts love life by sharing this episode with them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, many happy orgasms.